It's good to uh, be in God's house and blessing and worshipping him. And uh, just a real sense that, uh, that God is with us and that uh, God has good plans for us. His heart is for us and not against us. And as we walk with him, then his power and his presence will be revealed. We're going to um, start a new series this morning. We're going to be looking at the parables of the kingdom of God. You may recall last month we did a series on the kingdom of God. We unpacked what that meant. What is the kingdom of God? We looked at the now and the not yet. The now and increasing. That it is for now, but it is increasing in glory and power as God moves amongst us. And it's important, I think, to develop that theme and look at what the kingdom of God is through the parables. Because these parables are what Jesus said about the kingdom of God. And we want to understand and we want to know what that is. We started way back in August looking at salvation as a key element of the kingdom of God. And we're going to continue, actually, that theme and mirror that by looking this morning at the parable of the wedding feast, which is found in Matthew 22. Now, context is important in all of Scripture. And the context here is found in chapter 21. So just briefly, I will recap as you're finding Matthew 22. Jesus had entered Jerusalem on a donkey, The crowds had gone wild. They were shouting, Hosanna. They were blessing him. They were praising him. They were laying palm branches before him. They were putting their coats on the road. It was a mighty entrance into Jerusalem. And Jesus, on the back of that, went straight to the temple. His mission was the temple. And when he went to the temple, he was filled with righteous indignation. Because what should have been a house of prayer had become a house of trade and commerce, had been a house of cheating and taking advantage of people. The money changers, the merchants, were using God's house for profit and gain. And Jesus overturned the tables, cast them out, and then he confronted the Pharisees. He was challenged by the Pharisees, and he told two parables in chapter 21. One of them was the parable of the two sons, and the other was the parable of the wicked tenants. And both of those parables were addressed to the Pharisees, and they dealt with issues of willful rejection of God. Willful disobedience and the eternal consequences. And that being said, Jesus goes straight into this parable. So let's read that. Matthew 28 and starting at verse 1 and we'll read to verse 14. Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle have been slaughtered. Everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and they went off. 
one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, ill-treated them, and killed them. And the king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. And then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Now Jesus was talking to the religious elite. He was taking the kingdom of God into Jerusalem, into the temple, into the faces of the Pharisees. He was bringing all that the kingdom was, salvation, righteousness. And this parable, at its higher level, compares the enormous difference between those who reject and those who receive God's word and God's invitation. It contrasts the self-centered to the God-centered. Now, clearly, it references the end of days, the marriage supper of the Lamb in Revelation 19, when the church is gathered, the bride of Christ is gathered, and the marriage supper takes place. But what I'd like to do this morning is, given that that is the context, I just want to unpick it in a little bit more detail, and I want to try and apply it to what lessons can we learn from this story. What is it asking of us today in Ainan Baptist Church? Those who embrace the kingdom of God and those who let it go by. We have a choice. In Matthew 21 and verse 43, a key verse in the previous chapter, it says, Therefore, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. Because you cannot encounter the kingdom of God and be the same. There must be fruit. And this is what I want to challenge us this morning, is how we approach our vision as a church to build the kingdom of God here, how we approach it, and what we are prepared to do in that pursuit. And the first point I want to make is that We need to get ready. We need to get ready. Now, we all know what it's like to be invited to a wedding. Some of us have been to many. Some of us, maybe not so many. I'm fairly convinced that everyone here would have gone to a wedding. If you haven't, show your hand. There you are. I knew I was right. Everyone's been to a wedding. I'm fairly convinced that no one here has been to a royal wedding. If you want to prove me wrong, now's the time to raise your hand. I knew it. 
None of us have been to a royal wedding, but we've been to plenty of weddings. My mother-in-law has been to a garden party in Buckingham Palace, and she spent the last 50 years telling everybody about it. It was that impactful. It meant that much. But we know, we know the importance of a royal wedding. The trouble is, at this royal wedding, the A-listers, the people that were on the guest list, refused to go. Now, if you look at a royal wedding on television, the great and the good are there. The famous, the celebrities, the A-listers, they're tripping over themselves to go. But in this parable, the A-listers couldn't be bothered, didn't want to know. And Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, the so-called spiritual elite of the day. And Jesus was saying, it's not about your head, it's about your heart. It's not about how much you know, it's about how much you love. It's not about words, it's about actions. Talk is cheap. And it's easy to miss the call of God. It's easy to let it pass you by. We can always find something else to do. There's always a farm to run, a business to build. It's always something that will take us away from the main thing. This wedding was special. The king's son was getting married. And weddings are wonderful. They're great occasions. There's happiness, there's joy, there's celebration, there's excitement, there's friendship. It's full of hope for the future. Full of feasting, togetherness, renewal. And Jesus used the illustration of a wedding to show what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is fullness. The kingdom of God is everything. All that we could want is found in the kingdom of God. We could want for nothing else if we have the kingdom of God. Think of a wedding and times it by a million. And that's the fullness of the kingdom of God. And we mustn't miss out. We mustn't just say it's too hard, it's too difficult. Our call is to bring God's kingdom here, to this community, to this city, and to beyond. And we must be ready. We must be ready and we must be willing to take up God and his invitation. The king's invitation is before us. What will you do with it? Now, you'd be surprised to learn that I'm not a party animal. I know I look it. I know you're thinking, if ever there's a party, Phil's going to be there. But truth be told, the idea of an evening watching a recording of Escape to the Country with a cup of tea and a biscuit fills me with joy. Amen. I hear that. It may be an age thing, but that's just great. The thought of having to get ready and go out and talk to I don't know how many people, oh, it's a challenge. 
However, when I go out, when I make the effort, I'm glad I did. And sometimes we can talk ourselves out of doing that thing for God, whatever he asks us. Sometimes it's just oh, too much effort, too hard, too difficult, too inconvenient. But you'll be glad you did. Because God's asked you to do it, and God is with you in it. I know we'd rather stay in. I know we'd rather not build the kingdom. But we have no choice. We must. And each of us has a part. The church of Jesus Christ is not a spectator sport. Every one of you. And I'm trying to catch every face, even the balcony. Every one of you has a call of God upon you. Get ready for what God has in store for you. We need to accept the king's invitation. We need to go. We need to be in a state of readiness. We need to act and to live as if it's the very thing that is our bread and water. Get ready. Anan Baptist Church, get ready. Because God is moving and God is building his kingdom. And we must, we must respond. Second lesson is that we must get telling. We know that the A-listers turn the king down. The people that should have known better, the religious elite, the celebrities of the day, said, no, we, we can't be bothered. We don't recognize your kingship. We're not interested. I'd rather run my business. I'd rather run my farm than honor your son. The people that disobeyed the king, that insulted the king, that rejected his kindness, what well, we read in the passage, they had their reward. And it wasn't what they were expecting. They paid for their actions. But then the king did an amazing thing. He sent his servants out into the streets. There was no limit on the numbers. It was an extravagant act by an extravagant king. As many as would come were welcome. The so-called good and the bad, as we read. There were no barriers, no limits. The servants went everywhere. They went mad. There was nowhere they weren't able to go. Because they were carrying a message that was powerful and precious. And they were saying, the king's son is getting married and you are invited to come. And it was received with joy, received with gladness. Speaking forth the gospel, speaking forth hope, giving people an answer, that's powerful. We must never be ashamed of the gospel because it's power. The gospel is the only thing that matters in this world. 
and we must be passionate and we must be sincere and we must be ready and we must get telling. The last prayer meeting, I had um, a very strong sense of the parable of the sower. And I shared that in the meeting. And what, what came upon me was this, this indiscriminate sowing, where the sower would just throw the seed. And some was on good soil and one maybe not so good. Some was on the rocky areas, some was... It didn't matter. He scattered the seed wherever he went, indiscriminate sowing. And I had a picture which I shared at the meeting of a figure whose pockets were stuffed full of seed. So full, the pockets were spilling out. And everywhere they walked, seed fell, fell to the ground. And as I watched in this picture, as I, as I saw it in my mind's eye, I knew where that person had gone because everywhere they'd gone, the seed had fallen and shoots were springing up. And I could see their path whenever they'd gone to the left or the right, whenever they'd taken a turn here or there, their path was clearly set out because of the shoots that followed them. We need to be a bit like that. We need to drop seed, the seed of the word of God, wherever we go, however we do it. Sometimes consciously, sometimes subconsciously. But the seed must go into the ground. And as the servants went out, the crowds came. The people responded to the king and the hall was filled. And the unlikeliest people came. So unlikely. They'd never been in a royal palace before. What they were didn't matter because the king had asked them and they had come. They'd accepted the king's invitation and that was all that counted. The gracious, extravagant, merciful call of God had struck home and they came. Can I just challenge us? We must beware of limiting God. We must not decide who we will ask, who are the right people, who are the ones we think would fit in, who would we let in. Our job is to ask. Our job is to ask everyone to come to the king, to bring others to the wedding feast. When I was a teenager, I invited two school friends to a gospel service. One of them was nice, decent, normal, just like me, I thought. The other was Jack the Lad. Nothing too big or too heavy. Been there, done it all. And to my absolute amazement, said he would come and as we sat in that service I kept looking to my left to the friend who I thought would make a good Christian nothing and to my shock when the appeal came Jack the lad put his hand up 
And I learned a lesson that day. Despise not him for whom Christ died. Don't look down on anyone. The broken, the lame, whoever they may be, the king has invited them. We need to go where people are. We need to live in the real world. We don't want a cozy, holy huddle. The invitation needs to go. And they're not going to hear it here. They're going to hear it out there, where we are, where we go. I was driving to a conference two weeks ago in the center of Cardiff. I had my pinstripe suit on. I was ready. And typical for the center of Cardiff, traffic was awful. And I was in a queue. And it was bumper to bumper. And as I was driving, without a care in the world, beautiful sunny day, I was praying. I was praying that God would be with me. God would bless me. I was praying for me. And as I was moving slowly through the traffic, my attention was drawn to my left. And I saw a homeless man. And he had a blanket over him. And he had his head in his hands. Just looking down. And it was such a picture of hopelessness. It shook me to the core. There was me in my nice car, in my pinstripe suit, praying about me. And no more than five meters away on the pavement was somebody that had no hope. He would have been invited to the wedding. And tears just came down my face. Because I had a sense of God's heart for the broken and the hopeless and the helpless. And maybe it's not something we see every day on the streets of Tonguinlice. But people are still broken and people are still helpless. And we've been living as a church with broken lives made new. That's, that's our motivation. Broken lives made new. People transformed. Hope for those without hope. We need to get telling. We need to get ready to bring the kingdom and we need to get telling. Because it's up to us. By God's grace, by the power of his spirit, he is with us, he is working amongst us, he is marching forward. We need to get telling. And the third lesson I'd like to share is that we need to get dressed. We need to get dressed. When the king came in to the wedding feast and surveyed the scene, he was thrilled, filled with joy. His son's wedding was a huge success. Crowds of happy, joyful people there because of his son. A wonderful sight. But his eye was drawn to one person 
Amongst the throng of people, the king saw one man. And he wasn't dressed. Now, many years ago, I was a teenager, so... 1927, many years ago, um, my cousins, or my cousin, was having a birthday party. And I remember it well, it was in the tan yard. And for some reason, we couldn't go. But whilst going on somewhere, my parents decided to drop uh, a card and present in to the actual party. And they said, come with us, because we'll go for a drive after we've done whatever we were going to do. I can't remember. And I was about to put my shoes on, and my dad said, oh, don't worry, we'll only be in the car. So I sat in the car, thinking, what could possibly go wrong? I had battered corduroy trousers, I think there were holes in the knees. I had red football socks on because I'd had games in school that day and hadn't bothered to change my socks. I had, they were hardly fashionable slippers, but they were comfortable slippers. You know the type. Things that you wouldn't necessarily go out in, but they're lovely for the house. And I had, well, the whole ensemble didn't go, put it that way. I was not dressed to go out. But I thought, I'm only in the car. And then we arrived at the tan yard, and um, Dad went in with the gift. And then, to my um, embarrassment, a number of people came out from the party and persuaded my mum and dad to go in, only for 10 minutes. I discovered that day what true embarrassment felt like. I went into a party, totally and inappropriately dressed. Every eye looked at the newcomers. And I just, I was crushed. My formative years, my teenage years. And it was so embarrassing. I, I know what it's like to be not properly dressed at an occasion. I did eventually forgive my parents but um, didn't listen to them again when they said, you don't need to put your shoes on. But when the king came in to the wedding feast, he saw one man. He wasn't dressed, and it made him stand out, and it showed that he didn't belong. Now, we need to understand that in these times, there were no set wedding clothes. Top hat and tails didn't exist. Big white meringue wedding dresses didn't exist. Ladies, the fascinator had not been invented. So it's not wedding clothes as we would imagine. There was no right or wrong, but the requirement was that you must wear clean clothes. That was what wedding clothes were considered to be clean, not your dirty work clothes, clean clothes. And provided they were clean, 
You could wear what you liked. The wedding guest should have worn clean clothes, not dirty garments. And this man was wearing dirty clothes, and he was out of place. You see, the king's invitation must change you. The king's invitation makes a difference. Because the king's guests have clean clothes. They have new life. They have new standards. They have a new calling. They don't just stay the same. Dirty clothes are no longer acceptable for the king's guests. And the scriptures are full of challenges for us that we need to bring forth fruit showing repentance. By their fruit, you will know them. Clothe yourself with Christ. We need to get dressed. A verse has been on my heart for some weeks. And I just want to share it with you. Because I need to challenge us that we are dressed appropriately. In Joshua chapter 3, it says, Purify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Some versions say, sanctify yourselves. Some versions say, consecrate yourselves. Purify, sanctify, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. As we are seeking God's face as a church... As we are looking to be salt and light, making disciples, filled with the Holy Spirit, building God's kingdom. These are the foundational blocks of what we're called to do. As we are doing this, we need to be dressed. We need to purify, sanctify, and consecrate ourselves. It means that Our conversation must be pure. It means that words that we wouldn't necessarily use on a Sunday, but think it's okay to use on a Monday, that needs to stop. It means that honesty in our work and in our dealings with others is vitally important. We can't cheat people. We need to be honorable. It means that what we think about and what we watch and what we allow to take over our thoughts is godly and we don't let our standards slip. If we want God to move... We can't earn it, but we can get ready. We can get dressed. We can make sure that we are not a hindrance, but that we are channels of his blessing. Anan Baptist Church is called to build the kingdom of God here 
in this place now. It started. But are we ready? Are we telling? And are we dressed? We must not put off what God has asked us to do. We must not get distracted and lose sight of what really matters. We must get ready and be ready. We must be open-hearted. We must be expansive, looking out and not in. Inviting everyone, not shutting doors, not, not allowing ourselves to prejudge and to decide who we think is worthy. Broken people make a mess. We know that. But God delights in putting broken people back together. And he wants them at the wedding feast. So we must humble ourselves and get telling. And we cannot stay the same. Purify, sanctify, consecrate yourselves. God is at work. We must be changed. We must be different. The kingdom of God demands clean clothes, pure hearts, and righteousness in all that we are and do. We must get dressed because this is what the kingdom of God demands and this is what the kingdom of God is like. Let's pray.